Welcome to Kava and Kettlebells, where we talk about kava, fitness, and life. Let's get kava fine. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Charles. Hey guys, this is Heidi. Thank you so much for tuning back in. If you haven't already, please rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to. Follow us on Instagram at kava underscore kettlebells. Share with your friends and family and really help us get this message out. All right, on today's episode, we will be talking to Fred Bryant with Kava Club in Richmond, Virginia. So Fred, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. No, we really appreciate you coming off, Fred, and I am really excited for this conversation because I know that you have quite the experience with Kava Club out there in Virginia and some of the, you know, things that have happened. So uh, I want you to get into, you know, the health department with Kava Club, sort of that battle, and also uh, you seem pretty knowledgeable and, you know, have been in contact with um, some, you know, officials on the legislation of Kava. So I think this is going to be a really informative episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, uh, there's a lot happening in the kava industry right now. It's very rare that you get the opportunity to be on the kind of the bleeding edge versus the leading edge of, uh, something that can be pretty transformative at a cultural level, you know, an industry that can be, and that's where kava is right now. And unfortunately, uh, it's being held back by, um, some miss, you know, it's, the, the, our government officials and the, the people that work in bureaucracies are not always, you know, don't always know best and don't always have the right answer. And right. sometimes when things are outside of their the bell curve of what they deal with on a daily basis, it's really hard for them to to wrap their heads around with. And you know, as a as an entrepreneur, that's always very very difficult. This Kava is not the first industry where I've I've had a very similar experience. Um, and hopefully it's the last. But yeah, it's you know, if you remove the emotion from everything and you know, it's it's pretty much it's a uh, it's it's a very interesting topic if you look at you know American government as a whole and the government's role and health department's role in regulating the everyday life of Americans. So yeah. I think it's a it's, it's very broad and very interesting and yeah, there's a lot of but at the end of the day, you know, Cobb is great and Cobb is going to have a long term positive impact, um, whether it be through harm reduction or you know however you want to quantify that. Um, across American society over the next several decades. Yeah, absolutely. So I am excited to get your perspective on all of that. Um, So I'd love for you to first just kind of let us know how you got into Kava, how you discovered it and kind of opened up Kava Club, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, so it goes back to uh, 2017. I was reading an ESPN article. Um, This was the, the Tom Brady heyday of the New England Patriots. And after practice, they were sitting around and essentially having a kava ceremony every day. Um, to wind down and also in lieu of using some of the pain medication and other other things available to them to kind of help them get through a grueling season. And um, so I was like, well, if it's good enough for Tom Brady, it's good enough for me. I should probably see if I can get this stuff. So got right on Amazon, got it, and um, thought that it was interesting. It was just as somebody who had never experienced or tried the product, it was definitely something that, you know, was outside of what we're you know, kind of what we normally see as consumers um, and figure this is something that's interesting. I want to keep my eye on it, but uh, it's, you know, I'm just not, I don't, I, at the time I didn't have the professional experience where I really saw I could, you know, saw it as a business opportunity. But then lo and behold, about five years later, um, 
one of my good friends lives on the space coast in Florida and uh, he's sober and he, every time I go down there to spend some time with him, we, we end up hanging out at a Kaba bar instead of a, uh, an alcohol focused bar. And it's really, uh, you know, the first time I did that, it was a pretty transformational experience to see, you know, the, how human connections flow and how yeah. things work in that kind of bar environment without alcohol. And um, so I, said, all right, this is something that is interesting to me. And I have a background in boutique multi-unit retail and really thought I saw um, a strategy and opportunity for a, a really big and fun business that could be at the, the leading edge of, uh, I guess to be cliche, the Kava revolution. Um, so that's that's how we got started. And that's how Kava Club got started. It started out as, you know, understanding that from a supply perspective, it's, you know, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of supply available, but it's it's hard to get and it's hard to get in bulk. So really, you know, the the strategy that we're focused on is is kind of more high end boutique craft cocktail bars focused around Kava, um, and that's the that's the Kava Club strategy, and that's how we're approaching it. And really, our mission is to create a collaborative, fun, engaging social environment that allows people to socialize without a drop of alcohol around to to get in the way. Absolutely, and. That's pretty cool hearing that you were introduced, you know, going down to Kava Bar. It seems like a lot of Kava Bar owners we talked to, kind of their first experience was, you know, a friend taking them to a Kava Bar, um, you know, where they haven't been yet and just kind of like blown away by the atmosphere and, and, and the vibe, you know, and the fact that people could go you socialize. Know, yeah, socialize <laughs> in a space that wasn't a bar or a restaurant and, you know, be able to relax with some of these plants. Now, with Kava Club specifically, that's in Richmond, correct? Yes. Richmond, yep. Virginia. Okay. Then when, when yes. did you all open? When was the grand opening? We are yet to open. Um, we've been working on this project for about two years. We've had a space that's ready to open for a year. Um, and unfortunately, um, we've been locked in discussions and what eventually became litigation with the Virginia Department of Health over some very specific food points around food law that's specific around kava. And um, that's process has been ongoing for a year and it's been, you know, beyond difficult. Words can't really describe what it's like because we were ready to launch and open. Um, so having to close everything down, let everybody go, and then engage in what has now been a almost a year of litigation where, you know, up until the past few past two months, month and a half, we really, you know, no matter whose door we knock on in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we, we can't get access. And, you know, luckily things have started to break a little bit in the first past past month, month and a half. But, um, yeah, we, we have not been open. We have been sitting around working on product development and trying to trying unfruitfully to educate people on Kava and the, the law around it, because everything that's going on now with all the Department of Health, Departments of Health across the country is... Uh, it's frustrating to watch because if you, you know, if rational people sat down in a room and talked about the science, it's all, it's all pretty clear. And for, but fortunately now through the efforts of a lot of very uh, dedicated and smart people, it's a, uh, it looks like there's a, there's a lot of headway being made and there's an un, finally an understanding being had that, that Kava when used as traditionally prepared, um, you know, traditionally through a water-based extraction is a, uh, the concerns that are out there that may pique the interest of health departments, just that's a, you know, the safety profile looks much more like coffee um, than, than anything yeah. scary. Well, so. Okay. So let's, I guess let's back up then to when you guys were, you know, on, on the path to opening and I guess what, what kind of triggered, 
everything and then kind of tell us why the health department was having issues. Yeah. So I think um, what triggered everything. So in Virginia, the way that you get your food uh, establishment permit is you have to wait. It's the last thing you do, right? Because you have to do, you have to, you know, for an inspector to come in and know that food is, that it's safe, you know, everything has to be done. So we were waiting to get our CO um, and a local um, business newspaper scooped us and said, hey, we're going to want a story on you. You want to comment? And as an entrepreneur, when you can get free earned media, right. uh, you take that uh, every chance you get. Um, and so we did a, a story about that and we got an immediate email from the Department of Health kind of asking why we weren't, um, why, why we hadn't applied for a permit yet. And the simple answer was that we don't have our certificate of occupancy, so we don't have the requirements ready for a permit. And frankly, I, I thought that the I had a much higher expectation um, that the experts at the Department of Health would be able to glam onto this and really understand this. And I, I thought there might be a discussion or two, but I never thought there'd be any issues because when you lay out the law, you know, and the case law supporting it and the science supporting, you know, the science supporting the, the case that, that Kava, when used in traditional, you know, when used through a, a water-based extraction method is very safe um, and that there's, you know, so... Yeah, so that were, was, were they saying it wasn't yeah. safe to use? Yeah, like so, what are what is their concern? What are you know? Their concern, I think, this is uh, pure. This is well informed speculation. I guess <laughs> you could say um, their concern is that they don't. You know, it's a when you know any any bureaucracy doesn't understand something, they're going to do everything they can to shut it down. Right. Um, because that's that's how you get in trouble, um, and that's the that's the reward system for for better or worse in any bureaucracy. Um, and so I think that it was a a, a true genuine misunderstanding. Um, but then over time, when you know, but then there's a there's a point where it goes the misunderstanding is understood. But when you know there's no ability to engage with your public officials when you know it's you know that's kind of where it, it really got you know. It became, you know, a little bit more. So, so I guess like had us questioning, yeah, why, why can't we just have this discussion? Because the, the science is there, the scientists are there for anybody that really wants to listen. But unfortunately, too, it's you know, and it, this is a clear example of where everybody likes to Google stuff. Right. And you know what you get on Google? You get whatever Google's algorithm says is going to get the best engagement, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily make it true. And you need to, but you know, there have been multiple instances where you know. Through this process, through across a number of states, you know, public official they they Google stuff, and you can tell, you know, when they write you documents, you can tell that they Google it because you can tell where the information comes from because yeah. you have to deal with, you know, if you're if you're an expert in something and you have to deal with every, you know, all the professional Googlers out there all the time, uh, you you know, you can kind of smell it. So it's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, I think the biggest the best word that's come to mind to kind of explain what happened is there's a certain, you know, certain hubris that where you know. You know, industry is bad. Industry is evil. Don't want to listen to industry. They're going to try and get one over on us. And you know, unfortunately, that creates really, um, really messy situations. And we've seen that across the across the country at both the state and local level. You know, there's a number of Department of Health that have, that have pursued the strategy. So, well, I guess so. Did they give you any specifics, though? You know, like did they tell you you had to close down or you couldn't open? Like, what specifics were they? were they telling you? Yeah, they were not going to, they were going to deny our permit because Kava is not gra- on the grass list, generally recognized. Gotcha. Right. Okay. 
is understandable until you actually read the law. So if you go to 21 CFR 170.3, which is the actual food, drug, and cosmetic law, it's called the Delaney Clause. It was uh, passed in 1958, primarily around a lot of new food chemistry, things like carcinogens, fear around that coming into the the uh, coming into the, into the food space. And so that was the that was the claim that it wasn't on the grass list, but that. Anything that was in use where there was two documented per the per the statute, basically if it was in use prior to 1958 and there was a it was generally viewed as safe through common usage, then it's safe, which kind of meets that. Um, this and this is summarizing a year plus of legal stuff, and then once um, once we kind of were able to get in our particular situation, once we were able to get our Department of Health to to listen to us and actually confer with the FDA that you know a tea is regulated as a food and not a food additive. Um, the next step that we had was, you know, you, the next step that we're, we're working through is um, that, all right, you can make kava tea, but you can't add anything to the tea. So you can only have co raw kava tea. That's all you can make. If you add anything to it, it essentially de uh, constructs the kava tea into kava and kava is not an approved food additive because of a memo that the FDA published in August of 2020, and it's available on their website. The problem is that, that that memo focuses on kava when you use what's called an organic extraction, typically an ethanol alcohol or something like that, a non-water-based extraction versus a water-based extraction. So the, the argument's kind of evolved as we've gotten through different points and and where it stands now and, and our issues. All right, kava tea is okay, but if you put any, if you put sugar, if you put lemon, if you put lime, if you put anything in there, it de-evolves kava to a food additive and you can't use it um, and that's I had mentioned to you all the the Hawaii Department of Health just published a uh, grass basically all of this available um, in support of this entire position that this is actually the law as it should be read and that this is the not only intent but this is actually the written law and this is also the you know what the FDA intended with that uh, August of 2020 memo um, so there's a lot of yeah so that's yeah that Sorry, when you dive into something like this and you end up litigating it for a year plus, there's a, you can just get, it's easy oh. to get, find yourself down rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah, so, I bet, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious and uh, obviously I, I want you to like name drop who you dealt with and stuff, but when you were, because you, you mentioned there were some issues trying to get a hold of people, trying to, you know, get through the door with some people uh, on the, you know, um, uh, department side, the official side. How, so how was it dealing with them? Like, you said they finally came to the table and would talk to you, but was it, did it just seem like pure ignorance? Was it an unwillingness to listen or to, you know, view an ingredient in a new light? Like what was like the perception that you had of a them? Complete. So I think for a while there was the thought, at least I was treated like a drug dealer. Oh um, my gosh. I was, they thought that I was like running, you know, trying to do all sorts of wild stuff that was just couldn't be further from the truth, but it's that, you know, the, the lack of, I think you hit the nail on the head, the, the lack of willingness to listen and the lack of engagement. Cause that's really what it was is, you know, we never, the first time we had an honest discussion, like what I feel is an honest and like good faith, you know, um, like productive, thoughtful, practical people trying to find practical solutions discussion. And all of this was, it's been within the past week. Wow. Um, so that's crazy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm and, and once, 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 once the dam broke, it started moving very, very quickly in ways we never thought it would because you know, it's once every, 
once again, once smart people realize that, you know, this doesn't really make sense, we should probably find a different path forward. You know, luckily, luckily that was, that was kind of feels like what happened, what happened for us. I'm just curious in some of these conversations that you have with them, um, were you able to show them that there's hundreds of kava bars in the country now? I mean, just, just south of y'all we, oh, you know, we, to Florida, yeah, I, I mean, mean. Yeah, we showed them, yep, that was, I mean, we've had this discussion. Um, the general the general response we get, which is the general response I'll hear from New York, from, I think, Nevada, you know, where, you know, wherever it's, it's wherever one of these kind of issues is ongoing is um, that it's just, you know, it's, it's yeah the same thing it's the unwillingness to engage and 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 listen is the yeah Yeah. challenge it's crazy and i know that there is um, a lot of issues going on in new york now are you guys the only are there any other kava bars in the virginia area or were you guys going to be the first one um, there was one that was shut down in 2019, and that's part of why the reasons in, why in Virginia it's been so difficult is um, there was one Kava bar that opened briefly in 2019. Um, they had a they did not follow proper food safety procedures is what was alleged, and they had a salmonella outbreak. Oh, oh man! But yeah, for reasons that's that are news. still not sure. I, yeah, exactly, and that's you know that's what the Department of Health is there for because that stuff is incredibly dangerous, and you know they they in that like we've seen we've looked at all the publicly available information. You know they did did everything as they should, sent an inspector in, but then when it came time to actually have the discussion, um, for some reason the health department and we've been told that they were following FDA guidance, but we were never furnished any of the documents or records that would support that. Um, that they said that essentially the same thing. This business is serving on a food, unapproved food additive and they stopped much, um, much sooner than we did. Um, just in Virginia, the administrative process act, the kind of the position you get thrown into is as soon as you have a challenge with one of the executive agencies, um, or any of the bureaucratic agencies in the state, um, is, is very, very challenging. Um, and it's very challenging if you, especially if you're an independent entrepreneur, um, it's definitely a process that is really made for and only works for large organizations. Um, and so they, they cut bait sooner than we did um and that ended up the department of health then had this ruling because they decided you know and they decided that that was the case and there wasn't a whole lot of pushback from the the kava bar where they kind of ran out of gas in the the three months you know the three months three or four months between the you know of the bureaucratic process figuring out what they were going to do after that um reported seven outbreak so they were shut down and we would be the first operating one in virginia with a license um there are kava bars in virginia this is also things that we've shared with you know everybody everybody in state government that'll listen which is unfortunately not not few is what we found is not many which is what, what we found but yeah there's kava is part of culture you can get kava at kroger you can get kava at Publix. you can get kava at you name it, you can get kava there. So there's other places that have kava on their menu. You know, they just typically, most restaurants, when they make changes to their menu, if it's just changing out an ingredient here or there, like kava, which is a, you know, kava in its raw form is a dietary supplement, and it's just like, you know, matcha, you know, coffee. It's it's just like every other herbal supplement out there. Um, yeah, there's we know, we're aware, but also, you know, we're not snitches. We're not going to snitch on anybody. But right. there's, we'd be the first exclusively kava bar and branded Okay. Kava bar in Virginia. So 
I mean, so you guys are really hanging in there, and I think it's really important for our listeners to understand that this is a long time. <clears throat> that's a lot of money for you guys to... <clears throat> sorry, I apologize for my voice. That's a, that's a long time, just time and money to be able to be consistent and persistent pushing this. Um, so that takes a lot of commitment, and I love to see that. But how has that been for you guys? Has there ever been a point where you're like, ah, like, I don't feel like I can keep doing this? Like, do you feel like the end is in sight? Yeah, I mean, there's been many points where we feel like we can't. Um, yeah, there's been many points where we feel that, you know, it's an everyday thing because unfa- unfortunately, you know, because there's been real no no effort until the past week or two to really sit down and have a practical discussion. Everything's been done through lawyers. Um, everything's been, we've been told, you know, back in May, I was told that everything goes through attorneys from here on out. Um, you know, it's just really, it's I, it's hard to describe and I'm trying to do it without crying. So I talk about it too much. That's the instant thing because if you take yeah. away people's livelihood, livelihood, which is what happened here, like it's just, I know all the people who've been impacted by this outside of myself. And, you know, this is a, uh, it's a real tragedy for a lot of people on a professional and personal level because what happened is because of an error in law that should have been worked out a long time ago. Um, yeah, it just, it negatively impacted a lot of people in a lot of ways. And every day is really, really hard and challenging. And every day is a fight for survival. And, you know, for the past few months, we've been trying to take it day by day and, you know, we feel like we're close, but you know, there's also, you know, there's, there's really zero room for error and we're still negotiating, you know, we're still trying to figure out the finer points of what it looks like to operate. We got our long awaited food safety permit, um, last Wednesday, but all we can serve is kombucha right now. And, you know, from a, when you're starting a business, working capital is really important. Your launch is really important. And because we don't have, you know, we, we're just kind of in a waiting game, hoping that things, we really get some finality over the next two weeks because you, you can't begin a, a good planning cycle. And because of, unfortunately, how this is taken, when we, when we execute and start really spending money, um, you know, on something other than, on something productive other than lawyers, scientists, consultants, just surviving while you wait for your next core date type thing. Um, you, you know, that planning cycle, we're very excited. We hope, we hope we can begin that planning cycle this week and get our doors open and be ready to rock in the next week or two. But, um, yeah, we're not over. And then also once we open, you know, the, unfortunately we're also going to be the, by far the most heavily regulated kava bar in the world. Um, and so we have a lot of concerns there about how that goes, especially when you've been in litigation and have had really a lot of trouble working with, you know, your regulatory agency for the past year, year and a half. And frankly, you know, under Virginia law, you know, we, there's not a lot of, uh, we don't really have any recourse if things, we feel like things aren't handled well or in a fair, competent or thoughtful manner. So it's a, yeah, it's a very, very scary place to be as an independent entrepreneur when, you know, there's a, there's, there's not many independent, independent entrepreneurs out there with people whose checking account is their business and they are just, you know, they have some success, they scale it, they sell it and they just keep rolling into the next thing, you know, losing a year. That's what, you know, happened to me and my, my partners, we've lost a year of our life on this, not only on the financial side, but the opportunity cost side, you know, the other things we could have been involved in. And it's been, you know, yeah, it's been, been really frustrating when, when, when state government decides to attack a small business, uh, it's never, never good for the small business. Um, And and that's what's frustrating. And Fred, man, like, I mean, my, my heart goes out to you, man, because it's, it, it sounds incredibly frustrating, especially I think you really gave a good picture, especially, you know, as an entrepreneur and this is your business, you know, a year, 
you know, for a lot of people, a year is not that long, right? It goes by pretty quick. But when you're waiting for this and this is your livelihood, like that's, that's a that's lot like a of time, lifetime, yeah. taken away. Yeah. Um, Especially when there's, yeah, there's people to support and, you know, I can't lay other, the other, you know, there's, uh, there's all sorts of other challenges too, but this was never the plan because I, you know, I've won too many rough marches in the army and I can't do much, uh, I can't be much help behind the bar. So I haven't to, you know, make, I, it, it made the, I tried to keep the team on so I could move at some pace faster than 90 days when this finally happened because at every step along the way, we really had faith that our government was going to be able to, to sort this out because at the end of the day it's it's all it takes to reasonable open-minded people to sit down and right. you know, talk about this look at the science but you know that's you know that that yeah, yeah it took I, a very quick, very long time for that to happen quick question so you said um ruck marches and archery you're a army veteran then i am yep yep i uh didn't yeah yeah out of college did four years in the army and it was a interesting and great and really diversifying experience for me so yeah that's cool man yeah i just um i'm, I'm military myself so you know shout out to Nervet and the uh the kava community yeah i love, I love, I love that. seeing that so <laughs> um yeah well cool man let's so let's move i i do want to before we move on from the bar kind of some more of the um stuff we were gonna get into uh you want to kind of tell us a bit about your team because i know this is you know, primarily your bar, but, um, what about your partners, people working with y'all? Um, how's that piece look? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, I, yeah, you develop, you know, I have two, two partners that we've been able to, to ride it out together through a lot of this. Um, and Bram and Erica and Bram has been the, uh, we call him the King of Kava. He is the single most knowledgeable person that I've met. And that includes a lot of scientists who have specialties in this area. You know, when it comes to Kava, Bram is, he's right up there with the best of them. Um, and he really focuses on the product development and kind of everything of how do we render a product and get it, you know, to forward to the customer. And then Erica um, comes from a service industry background and she is responsible for kind of running the operations of the bar. Because eventually with scale, your production is separate from the day-to-day operations. But because those are the two core competencies, that's how... That's uh, how Bram, Eric, and I have decided to, to split things up is Bram's focus more on the rendering of the product and getting it to the to the servable state for the customer. And Erica's responsible for the, the final kind of operations and business execution and training, sales training of, of the team and stuff like that. So, awesome. yeah. Cool. Well, so I know you mentioned like the, the ball sort of started getting rolling uh, this past week or two. Now... What does what does February March kind of look like for for you and the team? Hopefully, surviving. Yeah. That's all we know. Absolutely. All we know is the goal is to survive. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to open in the next few weeks. Um, we tried to do some event stuff, but the planning cycle for events is so long because we also we wanted to open an NA bar space back in the summer, but we're not quite sure what happened. But somewhere in the bureaucracy. Um, they got their wires crossed and we spent months waiting. We sent memos back and forth with the attorney's general's office and lawyers. And we were told that our, our, uh, our, um, our application would not be considered unless we dropped litigation. So we kind of also been sitting here and now it's kind of like, what do we do? Because we've been waiting since over the summer just to be open in some capacity, but we were barred from that until I think somebody, I got a call from somebody we had, 
did a separate, you know, another thing we did was get some FOIA requests to request some information we felt might be relevant, especially, you know, um, as we go through, you know, go through this entire process. And that, 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 that started a conversation with a senior person at the Department of Health. And kind of when I laid out what had happened um, and where, where we were and what we were trying to do and who we were and our background and kind of, you know, get them on the phone and shoot your shot, as I told her at the time, um, that opened up a lot of the, you know, it just becomes, you know, then just the people take over and it's not a, you know, it's not a process because that's where the process is really important for big organizations, but for, for small businesses, the solution is really important, um, you know, because there's not the, the resources and the time isn't there to go through the process. Yeah. Um, so if there's, you know, if there's if there's nothing wrong legally, then you need a, a solution oriented approach rather than a focus on the process. And I think that's thankfully that's what's really started to happen over the past few weeks with us. And we're grateful for it. You know, we, we think that there's somebody in the Department of Health who we've been working with who is the, you know, going to be the real hero of the story. And yeah, we're grateful for that. It's yeah. a long road and it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to keep one foot in front of the other. So yeah, I think it's kind of like a march till dawn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> reference. yeah. And I think it's super frustrating just to hear all this it makes me so angry because, you know, I am so in support of small businesses and entrepreneurs. And it just kind of reminds me of the pandemic in general, how small businesses were destroyed um, and they, they shouldn't have been. Um, and so I really am excited to see you guys, you know, pull out of this and I commend you for just hanging in there through all this. Um, you know, I think, Kratom has always been something that is, it's more common to hear of litigation and issues with Kratom, but it is very surprising when we hear about kava, just because we all know how beneficial and harmless kava is. And so it is so crazy to hear this popping up all over. Um, What do you see as far as the future of kava in this country? Like, do you see this becoming an issue um, in more places or, you know, what do you see for the future of Kava in America? Um, I think that the face, the issues facing Kava right now, there's a headwind, but that headwind should be over pretty soon. Like I think that once the New York health department starts to seriously look into the Hawaii, um, the Hawaii department of health memorandum, I mean, there's just no, but again, there's a, there's a distinct line here. You have a, uh, aqueous versus a organic extract solution. And that's also, that's part of the industry. That's the, that's the Kratom issue as well. Kratom and Kava are legally, they are the same, essentially the same product. And they should be regulated the same way when they're used in their traditional form. You know, the, the, the most frustrating thing about all of this is like, there's a lot of 20th century laws, like the Securities Act of 33 and the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act is another one that are well-written. There's solutions, very practical, thoughtful solutions to all these things. It's good, good policy, but instead, you know, somewhere along the line, there's no, um, you know, the, the handling of Kratom and now the handling of Kava is just a real head scratcher because the things, all the reports that concern any safety, safety person or doctor or, you know, anything like that, those concerns all come from organic extract products and those organic extract products under the food drug and cosmetic act they are not exempt they are food additives and they are not exempted from having to go through the grass to generally recognize the safe process that the fda has laid out however when kava and kratom are used in their organic form as they were used prior to 1958 when they that product is created the same way through a water-based extract 
that product is materially different and legally permissible. Um, you know, it, it sounds like the FDA is pretty much there on Kava. On Kratom, it's the same way, but as everybody, you know, who has a vested interest in any of the, the Kratom or Kava wars knows, you know, it's been an ongoing policy head scratcher since 2016. That's really, it's, you know, in Kratom, the amount of energy that's wasted on Kratom, like, the, like it's so, you know, I, it's just really, honestly, I've seen a lot of interesting stuff. I've seen a lot of interesting, interesting regulatory stuff in my career. Cause that's kind of what I, that's what I do. I, I like playing in the area where, you know, there's, you know, I think that's, that's where arbitrage, that's where opportunities are found. Um, if you can get a better understanding of the law as it's written, as it should be enacted and how that, how societal changes, new products are available, things like that. Um, I think that's a great place to look for opportunities, but I just, I'm, I'm so perplexed and confused and, like I don't, I mean, it says a lot. It, it's you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of healthcare experience, but it really it gives a pretty clear, clear glint because it's the same regulatory agency. It's the same. It's all Health and Human Services, you know, that that you know is responsible for our healthcare system and our. And you can see a lot of these, you know, things start to make a lot more sense when you're, you know, you hear about these things from industry people as challenges, but you see the structural dysfunction, and it's like, okay, that's. That makes a lot of sense, and kratom is a great, a great example, and and kava as well of structural dysfunction and regulatory agencies, and why can't they just get the law right and force the law and, and right. go from there instead of making things very complicated and you know and just yeah you know it's Com- complicated uh, and in my opinion worse for society. <laughs> yeah, it's like people in government, and this is like this is a. You know, this is more criticism from my experience just in Virginia. I've operated across a half dozen different states pretty successfully all the time, you know, with state government, also with federal government, federal regulatory agencies. And, you know, it's just something that, you know, people in government love to think that they are on a episode of the West Wing. You know, they have, are surrounded by this drama, you know, and the solutions that are really needed are pretty... Pretty simple. You know, you can make, you can make America a better place with some pretty simple and easy solutions. And this is an example where practical, you know, but instead it's everybody, you know, you know, the, you know, a department of health, a department of health would rather spend two years studying this and very important meetings, very important to come to the same conclusion that, you know, a lot of people in industry have already come to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, let's be honest, government is, um, there's a lot of waste and, uh, yeah. Bureaucracy, <laughs> um, I think, holds a lot of this back, too. But, you know, it's, it's crazy, man, because, like, kava and kratom are just two ingredients that help a lot of people. Like, I understand, you know, there needs to be caution with anything that you put into your body. Like, I'm not I'm not denying that, and we should be educated. And there should be regulation, you know, on, on some things Absolutely. that we consume, you know, for, for the safety of the consumer. But um, with kratom especially, like, you know, I think that one's gotten a little – you know, some of the laws and some of the states treating it like, you know, other drugs is just out of hand. I'm curious, uh, with your kava bar, are you just selling uh, kava or are you guys going to do kratom additionally too? Kratom's phase two. We just, the kratom, the kratom, I focused on the kava fight. We really are yeah. just focused on the kava fight. The kratom fight's the same. Like I said, legally, the way we render the products is exactly the same. We were very thoughtful how we approached this before we did any product development, before we signed a lease, before we did anything going back two years. We have legal and scientific memos that underpin how we approached our strategy from the product perspective as well. And so, yeah, we'll get with Kratom eventually. I love I love natural Kratom tea. I'm not a fan of the extracts. And I, like I yeah. said, you know, the extracts 
that's what's you know that's what's dangerous is the food drug and cosmetic act the delaney clause which introduced the food additive regulations this is what it was made for was new products especially alkaline focused products because that's what you know the active ingredients in kava the active ingredients in kratom the active ingredients in coffee they're all, all alkalines they're all psychoactive they they play with brain chemistry in a way and when you take a a pro new product and put it out there and you like concentrate it you know eight ten fifteen times more than it as it does naturally occurring you know there's there's risks and a lot of the risks, you know, there's risks that are that are out there and there's laws that, you know, the thing that drives me crazy about Kratom laws, we don't need Kratom laws. There's no, there's no need for a Kratom law. The law and the FDNC already spells it out, but for some reason the FDA, because even when you talk to the FDA about Kratom, they give you the same law and that it's not an approved food. And when you ask them a question, well, actually, when there's an aquatic, you know, a water-based extract and it's used prior to 1958, it would fall under this and it, you know, and you get the same and the same government, you know, the same, you know, the same company line of creative is not an approved food additive. And that's not, you know, that's just not uh, for some reason, you know, for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, we'll eventually it, get there. It, it but seems, it's going to take some time. A lot yeah. of times it just seems like laziness. Oh, yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I mean, it's laziness. like, yeah, I mean, some of the, uh, oh, some of the offline stories I could tell you um, <laughs> would just blow your mind. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, but it's not, it's not laziness. It's, it's hubris. It's hubris at yes. the end of the day. Because yeah. laziness, like that's, and that's where like, we have to be, if anybody who's fighting the, fighting the good fight on the Kava front, you have to be very careful. If you accuse somebody of laziness or slovenliness or anything like that, you're just going to lose them. Like what this is, it's very fact-based. It is just the, it's an inefficiency. It's, it's a, it's, there's a lot of questions here, but they're government-related questions, and that's where that's where the push and focus needs to be. Because even on the health side, even on the health benefit side of things, like nobody cares, nobody in government cares about the health benefits. No. That's all to be studied later. Like there's some reports out there, like um, Dr. Grunman, Dr. McCurdy, like there are people on the kratom side, um, Dr. Stephen Dentali on the Kava side. Like there's really smart people out there that are figuring that out, but. Those are the people that are going to, those are the types of people that are going to communicate health benefits in a way that instead the health benefit, like the focus on health benefits, what it's done is it feels like it's gotten a lot of regulators really focused on the dietary supplement laws of how you're allowed to market dietary supplements. And that's the, you know, and it hasn't moved the ball forward because at the end of the day, you know, for water-based coffee and kratom products or beverages and, and products that you can prove if you have two, two sources where it was documented to be used in, in a materially, you know, the same fashion historically prior to 1958, that's, that's just a legal, that's just a legal matter. Um, when it comes to the extract products, whether, whether the industry likes it or not, like there, you know, if, if, unless there's going to be a big change in the law, the path that it's going to have to follow is there. Everybody's going to have to go who wants to sell those products is going to have to go through a grass process. And, you know, the industry could do that. They could standardize a process for Kava and Kratom extracts and they could, you know, then build products on top of it. But that, you know, that doesn't, I haven't heard of anything like that happening and that, you know, because the, the grass process is so expensive for yeah. any, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's not like it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, I like in April being told by the department, of Health, you should just go through the grass process. I was like, can you read like, do you, do you, like, do you think I have a half billion dollars sitting around? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me just. Like, yeah, why can't we just read the law instead of, like, telling me to go get the, you know. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 
it's it's an interesting market to be in. Yeah, it, it it really does just blow my mind though. How if you were to try and open just a regular alcohol bar, no problem. Alcohol is like one of the top five leading causes of death, and it causes so many issues. But you would have no problem. It is so encouraged. A society loves it. Our government, I'm sure, loves it. And it just is so crazy to me that you are having to fight tooth and nail and battle for this. And it just, man, I really hope that you... you I'm, I'm not going to be allowed to mention kava as an alcohol alternative under the threat of a $10,000 fine what? for every instance. Jeez. That's insane. Oh, yeah. Dude. Oh, hey, but, man. Yeah. And yeah, that, but somebody puts a gun to your head and says, I won't pull the trigger if you do this, you know what you do? This. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That is just crazy, and it really does, yeah, I just think that speaks to society in general and how, um, yeah, not to get, like, political, but I just don't think our government, they don't want us to necessarily be successful, but you know what? You will, um, and I'm very confident that you, you're going to pull out of this successful, and we're really excited to to see where you guys, you know, go from here. And I'm, you know, again, commend you for, for sticking out the fight. Um, I would love for you to, um, you know, if our followers want to follow your journey, where can they find you on social media and um, follow along with this? Yeah, so at Kava Club RVA um, is our Instagram handle. And we will uh, hopefully be hiring somebody to bring that back to life. Uh, we monitor infrequently, but we've been focused on other stuff. But yeah, at Kava Club RVA um, is how to follow us. And can I say one thing just on the alcohol lobby? Just, of course. I, just, yeah, I think this is, this is important. But like, like, I've been in this market for two years, and I've like gone deep. I've gone, you know, I've done all sorts of stuff. I've really gone far. I do not think that the alcohol lobby in any way is preventing or is actively doing this. But I do think the issue and the governmental issue that is worth the discussion is that just the process to do anything is aimed towards, you know, it's aimed towards the, and anything that touches any health and human services at the state or federal level is geared towards massive corporations. And that just is not, that's not helpful. Um, that's not helpful, and that's why it feels like the alcohol lobby or the drug lobbies at every turn, you know, as, insidi- as insidious as things get is probably if you've read Bad Blood, um, the the Sackler family, the John Kerry book on the Sackler family, um, that's about as insidious as it gets. But you do have, I mean, who sponsors a lot of the scientific research? Whose foundations does that come from? Exactly. It's a lot like when people talk about race and things like that. Like there's just things, there's things that are embedded in how we think about how we approach them. And that's what, that's the real question is how do you, what, what is, you know, where is there an over commercialization of our, our, our government? And, you know, where does that not best serve the, the engine of true growth, which are the small businesses? And this is a great example. The, the Kava Wars are a great example of that. So. Absolutely, man. That's a good insight. Well, Hey man, we appreciate your time today. And also, um, I mean, hats off to you. I know like it's, it's probably been more than a stressful year that you can convey to our audience and with you and the team trying to get through this, but, uh, it does sound like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for you guys. So I'm excited to see, um, you know, hopefully a springtime, you know, grand opening with Kava Club. 
Um, yeah. Which would be nice there in Virginia, you know, in springtime, the perfect time. Or sooner, or sooner, so, end of winter. Yeah. yeah, it was Yeah, it was 64 degrees yesterday. So nice. Not yeah. Hopefully the next next week or two we'll be soft open for a few hours a day just to start to, while we figure out, like, what actually we're allowed to do and what our business plan can be going forward. So, yeah, yeah well, it's coming, finally. Well, for our listeners in the Richmond, Virginia area, definitely support Kava Club. Um, look into how you can to, you know, follow them so you can see when they're opening, support them, and we're excited to see you guys progress on this journey. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to getting rooted, so. Awesome, Fred. Well, hey, uh, thank you again for coming on today. Thank you all. Have a great rest of your day. All right, you too.